Hey you, my entrepreneurial friend. Of 10 years of running my coaching business, I am going to finally teach business. And of course, I'm going to teach business with human design. Because the thing that I've discovered over the last decade is that the way everyone else taught me to run a business didn't freaking work for me. So over this last decade, to create a multiple seven-figure business, I've broken all the rules. I have done everything my way. I have looked experts in the face and downright said no, all to create something I love with greater ease and flow that literally is changing the world. And the best part is it doesn't feel like work at all. It feels like I get to hang out with my best friends and I am having a huge impact on the planet at the same time. So if you own a business that you want to finally maybe start, grow, or even scale, then come and join me on the 9th of May to discover how your human design can create the most beautiful, authentic success for you. For all the details, follow the link in the show notes. Hey everyone, and welcome to the Human Design Podcast with me, your host, Emma Dunwoody. I'm a qualified master coach and human behavior specialist, as well as being a qualified human design coach. And I work with clients every single day to answer the big questions. Who am I? Why am I here? And what is my purpose? I also assist them to transition from the person they think they should be to the person they really are on the inside. I teach people how to actually live their design instead of just knowing it. And if this is something that you want to do too, well, stay tuned or reach out for private coaching or human design unpacks where I show you exactly how to live your design. Hey, hey, everyone, and welcome to today's podcast. Today, we're talking um, the next uh, topic in the series of parenting with human design with the amazing Kristen Shorter. So welcome, Kristen. Thank you. Thank you. And today we're going to be talking all about parenting um, the authorities because obviously this is something that is so incredibly powerful because it empowers our kids to understand how they're uniquely designed to make decisions for themselves, which as the adults we are is going to help them avoid a lot of the deconditioning processes that we've been through as adults. So it's really important, I believe, to just practice the language around authority um, and empower your kids to just start experimenting with it because obviously it's just natural within them, right? It's They're already doing it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I love that. So um, Kristen, let's talk about today. Let's go through each authority and how we can best um, parent them. I know for me personally, I'm uh, an emotional authority and I feel like I was just really lucky to have the parents that I had because I now work with so many clients that, um, you know, it was a challenge as a kid. And I even look at my my kids. So both my kids are pure sacrals um, and my youngest has a best friend that's an emotional authority. And um, we were literally sitting down having a conversation about it, really helping my son understand that sometimes this friend is going to lash out or he is going to say something or he is going to be all emotional. And then, you know, a few moments later or the next day, he'll be completely different emotionally and really helping my son to understand that 
that this friend of his, his best friend, really does feel emotion very differently to Oscar. So giving Oscar the opportunity to not take it personally and to be able to hold space as his friend goes through this. So let's go for it. Yeah, your strategy and your inner authority, they go together to guide you. Your inner authority is your body's knowing or intelligence. It's how you know how to, if a decision that you're making is the right one for you. And a lot of days we hear about how you need to trust or follow your intuition. Well, in human design, it gets really specific and shows you where your authority is. So you can see and experiment with how it works for you. And whenever you're looking at your open centers, you can pretty much pinpoint where and how you've been giving your authority away to things or people incorrectly. And when we intentionally practice our true strategy and authority, we align ourselves in a physically and energetically so that things are just natural and they fall into place and we we kind of remove resistance, there will be obstacles in our way. Obstacles are a natural part of life that help you hone your skill and test your commitment, but resistance will be removed and obstacles will be something that you'll enjoy doing and you'll want to do, whereas resistance will actually deplete you and you won't really have a lot of energy to face that. So if you're making decisions using your strategy and your authority, then you're not making decisions with your mind. And today we are so, especially in the school system, we are so conditioned to be logical, to use our mind, to put our mind in charge. And it's no wonder we see that kids are struggling with anxiety, depression, and ADHD because the mind isn't designed to decide. Mm. It is designed to create, analyze, imagine, you know, it's not designed to be making decisions for us. That's our body's job. Mm-hmm. And so um, when, whenever we go through the different authorities, we're going to talk about and look at how we can support our kids depending on which authority they have. And first and foremost, like you started, we're going to start with the solar plexus because 50% of the population have a defined solar plexus. So whether you are a generator type, a manifestor type, or a projector type, you are going, you have the potential to have a defined solar plexus authority. And this authority actually trumps all other authority centers and strategies. So if you are a generator type, your strategy is using your gut to respond. But if you have the solar plexus like you do, Emma, then you actually need to wait out your emotional way for clarity and respond over time. So whenever we have kids that have a defined solar plexus, then you want to teach them how to make decisions slowly over time. And um, a story about my children who I have two boys, one's a manifester, one's a projector, and they're both emotionally defined. And every birthday and every Christmas, they love Pokemon cards. They went through this phase. And for probably four or five years, they would spend all their money buying Pokemon cards, like hundreds of dollars. You know, they'd get like $150. They would go buy Pokemon cards because they were opening them up, deciding, oh, what did I get in this pack? What did I get in that pack? 
And I would gently and lovingly say, hey, guys, remember what happened last time? Why don't you wait it out? We can come back and get this. We don't have to make a decision right now. And they did not want to wait. They wanted to get the Pokemon cards right away. And after about four or five years of doing this, they and as soon as they opened it up the next day or the next few days, they'd be like, I shouldn't have spent all my money on Pokemon cards. Mm. And not being like, I told you so, <laughs> even though you're thinking that right now, but it's really about saying, yeah, yeah, you shouldn't have. I totally understand that. And now you don't have money for other cool stuff or any other toys. And how does that feel? And talking to them about their feelings and let, letting them feel it and kind of really rolling out the red carpet and giving them the dignity of their process so that they can go through the emotional wave of regret. Yeah. That's going to be their teacher. And if you take that away as parents and kind of be like, no, 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 I know what's best for you. You can't be doing this. They won't learn. Yeah. And so letting them blow all their money whenever they're four or five, six, seven, eight years old. So that whenever they're 20 and 30 years old, they don't blow all their money because they made all these mistakes when they were younger, when they're under mom and dad's wings, whenever they're yeah. not making huge financial mistakes. One of the things I want to say as well, that I think is really important to overlay is like our kids live in a world now of instant gratification you know, and yeah. for an emotional person, that's really challenging. That's really challenging because the more pressure that, that they apply on themselves or that is applied to them, like there's no way we're getting to a decision. Do you know what I mean? Like the more pressure I feel, the further away from any sort of clarity I also feel. Um, so I think it's really important that, you know, as parents with an emotional child, we're very conscious that, you know, to, as you say, like let them go through their process at the speed they, they want to go through it. You know, I look back at my childhood and again, just think, God, I was so lucky because I had, for me, it was because I had so much time on my own. I could go through my process um, at my own pace, but, and I, cause my parents were at work most of the time. So they weren't really around to put a lot of pressure on me. So mm -hmm. I think that, that I just really want to make that point about instant gratification. Like even though my kids are sacral, so this doesn't apply to them, you know, I'm super aware to say to them, like, be really aware that we live in this in this time that that instant gratification is rife, you know, and this isn't instant gratification will never get us to um, alignment, success, happiness, because we're just reacting. We're not responding. So, yeah, I just really important to, to help you kids understand that, um, especially with emotional authority, that it is just just take their time and trust their body. Yeah. Beautiful. Should we talk about the sacral now, sacral authority? Yes. Yes. Let's get into it. So the sacral authority is the, um, is the second most common and only a generator type is going to have the sacral authority. And so remember if your emotional solar plexus is defined, it will trump your sacral authority. And the sacral authority is going to be the uh-huh or the uh-uh. This is not you talking. It's not the mind. It is a sound that's coming from your gut and it can easily be overridden by the mind. So allowing your sacral authority child to make these sounds. Uh -huh, uh -huh. And if you like, for me, I was raised in the South. It was not, uh-huh. It was yes, ma'am. No, ma'am. Yes, sir. No, sir. And so we kind of shut that down in our kids mm. and 
it takes time to activate that again if you do shut it down. But understanding that if you don't get an a yes or no sound, then you may need to be asked in a different way or at a later time. Um, having someone ask you yes or no questions can be really impactful, but you can't ask yourself yes or no questions. And um, I have had some clients that will write the questions on note cards and kind of mix them up so they don't know what they're going to get and then respond to questions or they'll put questions like on the refrigerator that's like, are you bored? Question mark Because that way they can kind of respond to, is it food that I want or am I bored? And that's cool. That's something that you can do. But the thing about the sacral authority is that it's going to give you clarity in the moment. It doesn't need to wait. <laughs> and so these are people that can seem like they are moving fast because whenever opportunity comes up, they need to jump on it. And if you have somebody who is defined emotionally, they are not going to move at the same pace as someone who is a sacral authority that is open here because they are, it's almost like whenever that opportunity comes up and you're emotionally open, you can be spontaneous. You're putting up all of these roadblocks so that the only destination you are going to get to is that end goal, is that outcome. Whereas someone who's emotionally open, they can't just put up roadblocks. They need to wait. They need to pass each path and say, hmm, yeah, no, or start walking on that path a little bit and be like, oh, you know what? I'm going to turn around and go the other way. Now I'm going to go this way until they get to the outcome that they need to get to and the way that they need to get to. And so giving people the time that they need and letting them move at their speed is is important to do. And if you're in a relationship where I'm emotionally open and my daughter is emotionally open. And whenever it came to parenting, we, her and I moved really quickly. We could get, I could get mad. (laughs) One time I was like throwing this huge temper tantrum because we were watching a movie and she was on the couch and she had this itty bitty blanket that she was using. And after like an hour into the movie, I got cold. So I just jump on the couch and I start taking her blanket. And she was like, uh-uh. <laughs> and I got my feelings hurt. And I was like, fine. Uh. And I like stomped out of the room and I went into my room. And literally like three minutes later, she came in my room. She's like, are you done? She's like, let's get a bigger blanket and go finish the movie. And I was like, okay. <laughs> yeah, I love that. I love that. But for my boys, That is not the case. You know, if they get angry, they can hold that grudge for days and not fixing them Mm. is going to be really important because you don't want to short that emotional way. That's how they're getting the clarity. So they have to go through those emotions. And sometimes those emotions are going to be directed at parents or other siblings or other family members and letting them be mad at people without having to fix them is going to be really important. most emotionally open kids, they won't be mad too long. Like in the case with your son and his friend, Oscar is kind of like, I don't feel that way. I'm not getting that upset about it. And it can be, you know, really impactful in a negative way. Whenever you have these emotional solar plexus exploding in front of you and you're kind of taking the brunt of it. Mm. And 
and understanding that as the open solar plexus authority, you're actually designed to be wise about emotions and to know who is using their emotions correctly. Now, initially, before you become wise about it, you run from emotions. You try to fix everyone so you don't feel uncomfortable around them. And if you are holding on to a lot of emotions, it's going to ricochet around inside your body because you're not emotionally defined. You're not designed to hold on to emotions the same way that the emotional solar plexus can. And so having a way to discharge that energy throughout the day, because remember half of us are going to have it defined and the other half are going to have it open and really trusting your sacral and being able to drop down into your gut and letting that make decisions for you is going to be one of the best ways to get out of your mind and stay tapped in and tuned in to your intuition and stay in alignment. Yeah, I love that. Awesome. Okay, let's move on to the splenic authority and my husband's a splenic authority. So I think, um, you know, just talking about the solar plexus, the sacral and now the spleen, like, yep, I am the total paradox because I can be the fastest in the family and I'm also the slowest in the family. (laughs) Um, So let's talk about the, the spleen. So when you have splenic authority, Without a sacral or a solar plexus, you have this instantaneous residence or recognition of something or someone. So you really have this inner knowing. And this is where it gets really tricky because the lesson here is trusting yourself. But in today's age, we're not taught to Mm. trust our intuition. And your intuition is this knowledge that's deep inside of your body that is not logical. It's like if you're running along a path and all of a sudden you hear a little rustle in the leaves, your body's going to jump back 10 feet. If you were only to use logic, it'd be like, huh, I heard a rustling. I wonder what that is. It could be these things and it could be poisonous or it could be benign, but by then it's a poisonous snake in your bed and completely left in the woods alone with a snake bite. Mm. Right. So being able to trust that splenic authority and the splenic is also an awareness center in human design. It's environmental awareness and it's in the moment. So the way that this is going to work is it's going to whisper in your ear and it doesn't repeat itself. So again, this has a big propensity to get overridden by your mind because our mind is like, why, how, what, where, when, like it's asking all these questions and awareness is not going to explain itself. It's just going to give you the information in the moment. Leave now, go, stay, turn here, whatever that is. Yeah, I love that. And I see this all the time with Justin. It's been one of his, you know, greatest life lessons is just to trust that non-logical knowing, you know, that he has inside of him. Um, And, you know, one of the things I think has been really powerful for him and also for so many clients that I've worked with is understanding that it's a one-time thing. And the more Mm -hmm. that you respond to it and listen to it and act on whatever the wisdom is, the, the louder the spleen gets. I've actually got um, someone who um, is a dear friend now and has been a client over the years, uh, Jenna Rossi. And she told this story. I can't remember where on a podcast or in one of my HDX um, panels about, you know, she was out with her husband once and she could just see this like dot 
in the distance, but she's like, it's a bear. The spleen is just like, it's a bear. And she's said to her manifest a husband. She's like, that's a bear. Let's go. And he's like, oh, are you sure? And da, 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 da. And he starts questioning the spleen, you know? And um, so she started questioning it and it was really fascinating. Like she sort of went full circle and went, no, I'm going back to that initial thing. I just know it is. I'm out. And building that is something that can be a little bit more challenging because the spleen can be subtle, especially in the beginning, um, in, in adults, especially because it's been conditioned out of us. So let's say we have little kids, Kristen, and they've got splenic authority. Like how do we teach them to trust? Because for me, what just came up, like it's almost teaching them to trust their their imagination almost. Or Because I know that I called it my imagination as a kid, but it was actually my intuition. It was actually this, this conversation I was having with, you know, God, universe, spirit. So how can we really support our kids to trust the spleen? Because they're certainly not going to learn that at school. <laughs> oh, yeah. No. Stop making decisions for them. Yeah. And ask them, what is your body telling you? What is your conscience telling you? What is your intuition telling you? What is your little voice telling you? Whatever you're calling that with your child, letting them make the decision. And then after they make the decision, ask them how it was. How did it feel? Um, Or if maybe something is going on, if they're getting some type of, um, you know, some type of um, something that's happening inside of their body where it's like they're getting goosebumps asking, okay, what are the goosebumps saying to you? What message do they have for you? And letting them just say whatever's coming forward without judging it, without applying logic to it and just saying, okay, and what does that mean? And what does it want you to do? And now what are we doing? And uh, teaching them how to go within and ask their body what's going on or what their body wants to do. Like this is, but I don't want to do that because I did it, but I don't want to go outside and play. Well, what does your body want? Does body want to sit inside? Does body want to rest? And it's kind of like, uh, okay. When you start doing that, they get a lot more clarity and they have permission to not be logical, to trust themselves, to not have to like make sense and apply all this logic to it. And one of the things that I say all the time, and I'll just be like, cause I don't want to like, uh, uh-uh. uh, well, why not? Well, I don't want to, <laughs> and I just leave it at that. I don't need to explain myself or, or give any other type of justification other than I, uh, uh-uh. uh, I don't want yeah. to. <laughs> I love that. And I think it's a really powerful statement. It, 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 you know, the statement I want is just as powerful as I don't want to, you know, because again, we're so conditioned to, you know, do the right thing or, you know, do what we should do. And um, yeah, I myself have had a really, you know, long healing journey with, I don't want to, you know, like just mm-hmm. have giving mm-hmm. myself permission to, to not want to. All right. So where do we go next? Do we go to the will center or the ego center next? Yeah, let's do heart authority or sometimes called ego authority. This is whenever you have the will center connected to the throat center. And so this is a manifester um, and it's driven by the heart center and the heart center is a motor. It's this ability to motivate you in order to manifest. The will center is about bringing material um, possessions in this 3D world. And this authority is expressed 
through the throat center. So really listening to what you say rather than what your mind is saying is going to let you know what the heart wants to do. It's really giving the heart this voice, but it is this ego. Okay. So people who have a defined will center, they're going to talk about themselves a lot. And that's actually going to strengthen their heart. Okay, it's actually going to strengthen their ability to have willpower. Um, And when they are trusting their voice that is connected to the heart, um, this is a design that's made to keep promises and make commitments. And um, because it is it does take a lot of energy to make a commitment or keep a promise. The will center needs cycles of rest. And so these are people that are going to need to work really hard and then rest, especially a, a manifester that does not have sustainable energy. They're going to have an open so, uh, a sacral center. And so letting them talk about themselves and make promises and keep those promises. And then whenever it's time, they need to rest. And another caveat, which I think is really fun. And if you know, any, any, anyone that has a defined will center, hang out with them because that will center is working in order to rest. And part of what has to happen is all of the work that they're doing, you know, they're trading this life force energy for money or resources. They need to use those resources on themselves. So these are people that are going to probably go on vacation or they're going to have nice stuff. They're going to have nice clothes there. It may not always be the newest thing, but it's going to be something that they really take care of. And it lasts a long time. And it's going to be a really high value because they understand how the value of what they are working so hard for. And if you do have someone that um, in your life that has this type of configuration, um, really allowing them to use, or excuse me, using a lot of reflective listening where you're saying, well, I just heard you say this and Because they're a manifester, you don't want to ask questions because that can kind of interrupt their creative flow. You want to inform them. This is what I heard you say. It's helpful to know why you're saying this. Um, It would really mean a lot to me if you could tell me, you know, fill in the blank, whatever. And um, so if you have a child that has this, um, really listening to what they say, let them talk it out a little bit. Let them talk about themselves. They're going to need to do that without you judging them without you thinking that they're egotistical. Cause a lot of times what will happen is they talk about themselves so much. They shut down that connection from their heart to their throat because they get judged for being a narcissist, for talking about themselves all the time <laughs> and, and talking about, about me, my, um, uh, and I so much, but that is actually correct for them. Mm. This so resonates with me. Um, the will center stuff resonates with me because I have a defined will center and I've mm. never, ever, ever let myself ever spend money on myself until about, <clears throat> I'm going to say five years ago. Um, and then I was like, <laughs> ah, yeah, this is really good. And you're right. Like mm. I don't have much stuff, but I do have like, you know, I do spend money on myself, especially when it comes to learning. But the other thing I want to say is my mom, my mom's not a manifester. Uh, she is a projector, but she does have will center um, authority or heart center authority. Um, and 
this has been this has been a game changer for me because she's definitely on the narcissistic scale. Um, but when I understood that, I was like, okay, it's just how she makes sense of the world. Um, and it really set me free, if I'm honest. Like it really yeah. made me feel so much better because it's literally her calibrating her life. It's her knowing where she's at. So mm-hmm. um, although over the years through all my behavioural coaching, I'd learned not to take it so personally, <clears throat> really understanding that she operates from this will center was just gold. It really helped me get her more, if that makes sense. One thing I have to say about the will center is, you know, the statistic, right? So that, that only one in, what is it? One in eight people. Eight people. When it, yeah. I know so many defined, like so many defined will centers. It's crazy. I'm like, I'm sure that statistic's not right. They're in your fractal. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, I attract <laughs> them like nothing else. Um, so let's go, let's move on to the next. What's next? Well, the one thing I will say about the mm. divine will center, this is the last thing I promise, Please, is that it needs to be appreciated. It is this powerful motor in human design and it's designed to bring material possessions to the earthly plane and it will do that. And it doesn't necessarily need someone to do that for it. What it needs is appreciation. So make sure that you give your defined will center in your family, lots of appreciation um, and lots of words of service, letting them know how much they mean to you and how much what they do and the contribution that they're making to you means to you. Yeah, I'm into that. I totally 100% <laughs> that is me. Um, and again, like I grew up thinking I wasn't allowed it, didn't deserve it, you know, had to do all the healing around that. And look, honestly, I will I will work until I'm blue in the face quite happily when it when you know I'm appreciated for it and I'm doing what lights me up, you know, they're the things that yeah. just feel so great to me. Love that. Okay, what's next? All right. The next is the, this is very rare. It's the heart center projected authority. And so this is where the will center is connected to the G center through the 2551. Okay. This is incredibly rare and it, they are a projector. So this is a projected channel. So it does need to wait for that invitation. And there is this tremendous ability to transform through the 2551 but only when invited. Now the 25 is one of the gates where God, where God lives in the human design chart. Raw said that God lived in gate 25 and gate 55 line five. And so this is a very godly, very um, individual energy. And it's part of the centering circuit. So it's also aura busting. Okay. This is oh, yeah. incredibly powerful energy. <laughs> Yep. My Oscar's got this. My mom's got this. There's a lot of it. Oh yeah. And so again, they have that divine will center. So everything that we said about the, um, you know, the ego, the will center is stands true. They're designed to make and keep promises. It actually keeps them healthy. They're designed to talk about themselves. They do need those cycles of rest and they do need that appreciation. And so the real difference is one is a manifester and this is a projector. So this one is using their will center to create tons of transformation when they are invited. Yeah, I love that. I love that. I hope my mom can hear us. Um, (laughs) Okay, beautiful. Uh, What's next? Are we on to the G-Center now? Yes. So now we're at self-projected 
authority. And so these are more projection, uh, projector channels. And anytime that you have a projector, you have this focused and penetrating aura and it hones in on another person's identity. And because they're so focused, focused on outside of themselves, they tend to not understand themselves very well. But if you have this type of authority where you have a defined G center as a projector, then you actually do have the ability to really listen to yourself and know yourself more than a projector that doesn't have the center defined. And it's all about listening to what you say when you are invited. Okay. It's about using your strategy as a projector, being invited, and then listening to what you say. What is, again, that G center is connected to the throat and it has a voice. You don't want your mind to get it in the way. You don't want to think about what you're going to say. You want to just see what comes up and listen to that. And having somebody be able to use reflective listening with you and saying, Hey, this is what I'm hearing you say. Exactly. This is actually um, <clears throat> my son, Oscar, again, he's a line four. So he has like best friends all over the place. So his best mm-hmm. friend from uh, where we used to live in Sydney, he was a, he, he's a self-directed projector. Okay. Um, and I know that, you know, parenting him was challenging because he just felt everything, you know, no wonder mm, he found yeah. Oscar because it was almost like, he found his manifesting generator so he didn't have to feel all the stuff. <laughs> he could just feel Oscar's stuff, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, <clears throat> so how are you parenting that? Again, because it's like this hugely sensitive child that can feel everybody else's stuff, but yet they do have, you know, what's actually guiding them. Their authority really is actually about they're, they're knowing their own direction. I mean, this particular kid I'm talking about, he was a vegetarian at like six, you know, so he he knew what direction he wanted to go in and his mm-hmm. parents really supported him. So what would be the, the tips we can give parents that have a self-directed projector? So anytime you have a G to the throat connection, either through the 1333, the 1A, the 731 or the 1020, you have what's called a vulnerable voice, meaning these ch- these are kids that are h- a highly sensitive person. Yeah. So you will never criticize them. You will never judge them. You will never give them mean mom eyes. You will never spank this child. If they say something that's completely ludicrous, you would just say, oh, I wonder how that would work. You're not going to guilt, intimidate, <clears throat> use force. You don't want to do that to this child because there is this vulnerability to them that does need to learn how to be protected. And so these are kids that need consistent auras in their life that are going to give them the permission and the safety that they need to express what's coming out of their G center. And if they have an individual circuitry like the 1020 or the 18, what comes out, who knows, you know, these are like artist types. And so they could have something coming out that's completely absurd or not normal or on the fringe or has makes no sense to your logical mind. And if they get a lot of criticism and rejection and judgment, then they start to shut that voice down. And so that's what we want to avoid. And so really creating an environment for this child to talk out their ideas. Cause as a projector, they need to talk things out mm-hmm. and giving them the time and the space to do that is going to be really important. 
Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. So what's what's yeah. next? We got we we up to the uh the mental projectors now. Yes, the mental projector. So this is either the ajna and throat or the head and ajna or the head, ajna and throat centers. And also the mental projectors are also rare. And this is where they're in. They don't really have an inner authority. So their environment is kind of going to be that authority. This is where who you are, or excuse me, where you are is who you are. And so they really need to be listening to that sensory information that they're receiving. Is the environment correct for me? Otherwise, the people, the ideas, the agreements made there won't be correct for you. And so they really have to use their open centers to decide on the location. And anytime that you have this type of authority, you want to have three to five places, environments that you can go hang out at, you can go shopping at, you can go eating at, you can go grocery shopping at or whatever that feel good to you, a coffee shop that you can just sit there and hang out at. And as environments change, then you also need to change your environment and make sure that it still feels good to you because if not, the right opportunities will not come to you. Yeah. Um, also needing to talk things out, not to get advice. Mm-hmm. Projectors don't need advice. They need reflective listening. And if you don't have someone in your life that can really give you that reflective listening, then you talk to the couch, talk to the dog. Like I <laughs> talk to yourself in the mirror. Yeah, It's okay. But really listen to what you're saying, because when you hear what you're saying projected back to you, that's going to give you a lot of the clarity that you need. Yeah, that's really powerful. And I think as a parent, <clears throat> listening is something that we all could be practicing and doing even better at, you know, because yeah. Um, we always have so many balls in the air. And I think one of the things with projectors is, or, you know, any of them that need, they're all needing to talk things out from some degree or from some angle. And it's just really important that we learn to listen and hold space for them. The other thing I want to ask you, let's say we've got a mental projector um, and really any of the the rare authorities, because if you have a rare authority, you, you probably don't have a great deal of, or you don't have a great deal of definition within your body. Um, So environment is going to play a significant role. What Mm -hmm. happens if our kids are really unhappy? Like they're really unhappy in the environment, you know, maybe we help them by redecorating their room or something like that, but they're still not happy. Like, is this the point where we go, okay, we have to really consider moving at this point because it's going to affect their decision-making, isn't it? Well, yeah, in a, in a utopian world, yes, absolutely. But we don't always have that luxury of just like getting up and moving for our child, mm. um, unfortunately. And so getting them, and I've had projector adults, and my son is also a projector who has an open G center, even the slightest thing, putting the silverware where it feels good yeah, and right. moving the cup sitting at the table where it feels good, choosing where you want to sit when you walk into a restaurant. Yeah. And um, a lot of times whenever the projector um, doesn't feel good and can't feel good, it's probably because there's a parent not listening to them right? and they don't feel heard. Yeah. And that will keep you from being able to feel good. And, oh my God. Um, rightfully that is, so. Yep. That is just Justin's story. Oh my God. So, yeah. so true. Yeah. I love that. So yeah. I'm super conscious of time. And of course we have to talk about parenting the reflector. Um, I've yes. actually got a number of friends <laughs> that either have reflector kids or their kids' friends are reflectors. 
Um, so how do we, how do we, how do we best parent a reflector that has this wide open um, design and no inner consistent inner authority per se? So the main thing is whatever's going on with your reflector is what's going on in your home. It is never their fault. It is never their problem. Go look in the mirror as a parent. It's your fault. It's your problem. It's go. It's your home environment. It's their school environment. It's whatever environment, the daycare environment, whatever environment they're in. That's what's going on. They are literally just reflecting that. And so as they get older, you can also kind of track out their 28 day cycle because as the moon, it can go through several gates in a day. If you can kind of map out and see where that moon activation is for them, there are some days it's going to, and it's going to be consistent. So there's going to be a measurable 28 day cycle that you can map out and you can see, Oh, today with this lunar um, transit, they are going to have some generator energy. So they're, they'll have more energy than they had when they didn't have that, or maybe they'll have like projector energy. So they'll have a little bit more consistency and being able to show them on a calendar. Hey, we're going to plan it for this day. Cause these are the days where you're going to have a little bit more energy or whatever is really going to support them and understanding how sensitive they are to energy. Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Um, I love that idea of having it on a calendar so that, so everybody kind of knows where, where they're at. And Mm -hmm. I suppose that the other thing that, that I would imagine is pretty important for, you know, parenting, um, the, the reflector is also just being really conscious again, similar to the solar plexus, but the other way around, if you like, is like letting them just have the time, like just, you know, not putting the pressure on them, letting them just Mm -hmm. take their time to, to know, to know what, what feels good to them when they're making decisions for themselves. Um, wow. Wow. Thanks, Kristen. This has been so awesome. I feel like um, there's yes. so much gold from people to get uh, from this episode. So thank you so much for joining. Yeah. Um, everyone listening, thank you. thank you so, so much for being here. Um, this is the second in our series. We've got one more to go. We're going to look at the wounds of the profile so we can really sort of understand where our um, our kids might be susceptible and where there maybe some significant lessons are going to be and not to jump in and fix them, <laughs> but to help support them as they yes. move through these challenges. And, you know, I feel like I was very lucky. I grew up with parents that let me make mistakes um, so I've always parented that way, but human design has actually taught me to let go even more, you know, yeah, and I think that to trust exactly, exactly. And, and what, what I found is the more I empowered them to trust themselves, the more I trusted them, you know, it was kind of yeah. crazy, you know, like the more I could feel how much they trust themselves, the more I'm like, you're sweet. Um, yeah. and now as they're 15 and just about to turn 11, I just think, wow, you know, because at the first it was hard because it was going against so much of what people were telling us to do with our kids. Um, you know, it wasn't conventional per se. And I now look at them um, at these ages where they do have their own life, their own independence. They're both MGs, so they are energetically independent as well. And just starting to see them really flourish into knowing who they are and trusting their decisions. And, you know, even to this day, they will say, um, I'm going to meet a friend in town or I'm, I'm going to go and do this. And like my ego will go, 
what do you mean you're going? Aren't you going to yes. ask permission? And that never comes out of my mouth. I'm just like, okay, cool. Can you be home by this time? Let me know this or keep your phone or whatever. Um, so it isn't like we just automatically switch off the old ways, but having that consciousness and awareness is such a game changer. It really Yeah, and there's is. a difference between letting go and being like, oh, you're on your own. You need to do this on your own. I'm not going to help you and I'm not going to care. Mm. And then saying, Hey, you got this. I'm right here by your side. If you need a hand, I'm here to pull you up and I'm walking by your side. I'm not leaving you, but I'm not doing for you. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I think that that is really powerful. You know, I grew up ironically at the time I thought, God, my mom's an amazing parent. She's so cool because she always was like, you go for gold. I'd make mistakes. I'm a line three. So there was a lot of them. Um, and <laughs> same, she would, al- she would always be like, I'm here with you. And she never fixed my problem ever. Um, Then I grew up and just realized she doesn't take responsibility for anything. Um, But that was a really, you know, a really serendipitous thing that no wonder I would pick a a parent like that because it forced me to learn how to take responsibility for my own decisions and lessons and all that sort of stuff at a young age. So when I did find myself with depression and panic disorder, I didn't expect someone else to fix me. I could straight away take responsibility for that. Um, but anyway, thank you so much, Kristen. Yes, we could keep talking for I know, I, many, I know. many hours. <laughs> I know. Um, yes. So thank you so much for everyone listening. Yeah. Stay tuned for the, the next one. And thank you again, Kristen. It's been so much fun. Bye for now. Thanks, everyone, for being here all the way to the end of the podcast. I hope you got lots of value out of it. I certainly had a lot of fun doing it. Could I please ask that you share this podcast with friends if you found it valuable? And also, bonus points, could you leave a review for me as well on Apple? It would be greatly appreciated. If at any point you would like to be on the podcast or you've got questions that you'd like me to discuss on the podcast, by all means, get on my socials and DM me. Everything you need is there in the show notes. Have an awesome day. Bye for now.